oh, there's a new film with gigantic monsters and gigantic Japanese superheroes. So we have to bring in somebody to help us with this. A kaiju versus history host. What is this? A crossover episode? We're talking about Shin Ultraman. Oh, I didn't want you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. (laughs) Drew, at this point, it's more kaiju versus history than (laughs) anything. It is. We're talking kaiju. We got got me all all, all up in heels right now. (laughs) Well, we're spoiling uh, some of the surprises of the show. This, ladies and gentlemen, is The More You Nerd, your new favorite podcast. And I am Drew, here to talk about Shin Ultraman, the new, well, new to the U.S. uh, (laughs) Ultraman movie. But I can't do it alone. Of course, uh, as always, my good friend, Miles. How are you, man? I'm so excited. Uh, this is, I mean, this, I think is the first time there has been a, a, a wide theatrical release of an Ultraman project or uh, like, like this. And cause of course there are Ultraman movies. We've gotten some of those over here over the years, but, but it's never theatrical. They've always been, no, never theatrical. So this, this has been a real treat. I love uh, that we're getting, this kind of thing. I mean, you know, Shin Godzilla obviously paved the way for th- this happening. And, and yeah, uh, because we were covering something that's very near and dear to my heart and another podcast that I'm on, figured we'd uh, radio a friend. And so welcome back to the show, Patrick. It's been too long. Yes, you call in the experts when you need to get to get to the bottom of the kaiju stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Ultraman, Shin Ultraman. We've dived into a little bit on kaiju versus history, but we will not be reviewing the film on that podcast until like 2025 maybe 20 <laughs> yeah we've, we've kind of skimmed six. ultraman because ultraman could be its own podcast and so we've yeah you know we did ultra q when we did the first <laughs> ultraman and have kind of left the, the the franchise alone a little bit um we've we've uh just watched one of the kind of rip-offs that was a experience well so, so many of the films that they put out early on were just like three or four episodes kind of strung together. So it, it just seemed silly to, <laughs> to do all those movies. There's like 30 Ultraman movies, quote unquote. Yes. And several <laughs> yeah. of them are original pictures. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited that we one all kind of agreed to, to try to watch this movie and that it seemed to do pretty well at the at the box office i mean it wasn't blowing up the world but it still it was a nice nice little sum and i kind of wished it was you know a little bit longer at least a full week or something as opposed to just two days mm. but yeah it is what it is and the you fact know, that they talk- had two days is kind of amazing that they well that happens frequently when you have japanese things like this i mean because i remember when they were doing the kind of uh, special presentations of the Studio Ghibli stuff, they had two days. They had one subtitle, one uh, dub. So it, it's kind of a standard practice now. The the Macross but, stuff was all subtitled, I think probably because they just don't have dubs for that stuff. But, I'd uh, right. say that the dubs for Studio Ghibli are like such huge productions, you know, mm-hmm. so big yeah. stars, Jillian. Right. And, and, and what have you. Oh yeah. You've got Martin Christian Bale. Game. You've got Christian Dunst. You've got the, the Cyrus. Fan, like you have like the big fanning sisters play the sisters in mm-hmm. Totoro, which is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about Shin Ultraman. Well, before we do this, I have to ask, how was your, how was your showing? Cause you got, uh, obviously we all went to different <laughs> showings across the country. Um, 
mine was pretty pretty decently packed. I was pretty surprised, but what I was more surprised of was the amount of people that were dressed in Ultraman <laughs> merch. There, yeah, I mean, some, some gear, some shirts and stuff. And like one guy was where like it was a it was a couple, I presume, uh, and, and, and they were together and and he was wearing this like kind of semi Hawaiian shirt vest deal that was covered in little chibi versions of different ultras. And she was wearing <laughs> uh, a sweater that had ultra stuff all over it. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And uh, I feel like you're not coming to this movie unless you're a fan. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I can't imagine someone finding a fathom events that is wandering like in, you know, direct marketing to them. Yeah. Or, you know, seeing like a poster put up somewhere being like, oh, that looks cool. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, our ours was pretty fine. Uh, I don't know. if I wouldn't really pay attention to what people were dressed up like, but oh, I, I mean, like, I, everyone seemed normal. I took notes that my theater uh, was 88 person capacity. And I think there were probably 30 people there, which is like good is huge for a fathom event. I feel like, yeah, (laughs) most fathom events I go to for this kind of stuff get like seven people. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I've uh, this past uh, fall when they were doing all the kind of genre films from September to uh october like i went and saw jaws and the lost boys mm-hmm. and stuff like that and there was always like a peppering of people but it was like i mean tens being kind yeah the middle of uh 2020 in the pandemic i saw empire strikes back in a like 150 person theater and i was the only person there that <laughs> 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 was the best uh, uh yeah what, what, I, you know, there was there were two people that I do want to uh, I do want to mention just because it was a uh, it was a a Japanese father and son and the son was an mm. adult and the father was clearly like gray haired you know and they watched it together and it was just like this is awesome this is really cool yeah, I like cool. seeing we, this we had some kids in our theater too and I was surprised a little bit because you know it's it's like a late uh I mean it ended late for a school night <laughs> and this was in is uh in the middle of a uh, school week this wasn't part of um holiday breakup here or anything so I, I i was surprised by that they were like you know seven or eight year olds they're pretty young <laughs> uh but after i saw this movie i was like oh this was great for kids oh <laughs> yeah, yeah for awesome. sure. absolutely i mean if this had come out when i was a kid and i was able to rent it i would have been blown away like this is I think I think this is what Otto wanted to do when why it has because I mean this movie feels like someone took the idea and aesthetic of a 60s show and just made it now. Uh yeah. And that person's name is uh Hideaki Otto. <laughs> yeah. he, he tried to bottle his childhood. Uh I think and, he succeeded. <laughs> and uh put it through his I, I I gotta say, before we even get to the movie, his interview at the beginning was so moving and there were so many cheers from the audience when he was talking about how anxious he was at Japanese audiences, not vocally reacting to the film. And then he saw, you know, footage of us audiences or he might've been at the, uh, kaiju convention where this was shown yeah it, it actually aired it, it actually uh debuted didn't it uh in the the one that's out in colorado uh uh yes what is the name of it g-con i thought it was i mean a, i don't know if it was a g-con was it i thought it debuted like at a festival it, oh, it's it was like it, it, sorry, it, debuted, it debuted at the New York Asian Film Festival in July of 2022. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a it's it's a well-known fact that Anno is a massive Ultraman fan. I mean, we his Daikon stuff. I mean, like this man has been Ultraman on <laughs> on on the screen um, now more than once. Now more than so once. this is. This is someone who, I mean, we knew that he was a fan of Godzilla, but like, I think he was probably more nervous about doing this and the next film, which were, I think, more near and dear to his heart. Um, And you can tell a lot of love for Ultraman went into this film like this. This is an absolute love letter to the franchise. Well, 
the thing that got me the most was, you know, it's talking about how the Ultraman movies were like episodes cut up. This felt so much like they were trying to capture that feeling. Yes. In movie form. Yes. These were individual episodes that were thrown together. And it's actually what threw Krista off because she's like, I liked it. But she's like, she said, you know, changing the plot every like 20 (laughs) minutes. She felt like I she goes, I felt like I watched a miniseries in two hours. Yeah. Including. the entire prologue of this movie basically being the series <laughs> ultra q <laughs> uh yeah i loved ultra i loved that so much mm-hmm. and it had you know the references to like some of my favorite episodes in that show and getting the theme song and mm-hmm. getting all those updated visuals that was such a treat and it might have been in the previews but i i, I guess i thought it would be a smaller part of the movie um, opening with that was was awesome. I was definitely hooked <laughs> just right then mm-hmm. and there in the first minute of the film. But yeah, uh, seeing Hideaki Anno talk about the U.S. reaction, it was the exact same reaction in my theater. Like people were clapping. They were cheering people, at certain they're points, they're laughing, tons of laughter. It was great. Oh, my gosh. The I did. I went in completely blind, so I did not. Well, I, I, that's a lie. I watched the like first Trailer. fight that they put out. No, they put out a oh, scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, they put the first. Yeah, yeah, they did. The, the first Ultraman fight. I was like, this looks amazing. So that was what really convinced me to definitely see this on the big screen, which I'm I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you don't have the, the option to do that. But uh, this movie is also just super hilarious. And I did not expect that. Yeah. So it's, so it, I, I, it's I, definitely hilarious. It has those Ono quirks. I mean, this is something that's kind of been in a lot of his work, specifically Evangelion, where you have these characters with these odd, odd quirks. And and none is more odd than the uh, the booty slapping. I was about to say there's some there's always some uh, objectification of like a very sexualized uh, woman in like a position of power <laughs> in a lot of his <laughs> his uh, his media, at least in the even Evangelion uh, female characters. But uh, um, it it was interesting because these are not obviously like one to one representations of like the tv show characters in any way yeah, in, um, in fact they're it's a completely different cast uh they're they're they don't nobody shares a name they're not meant to be the same exact characters even the mm-hmm. even the sssp is different in the in the movie in in the show it's the super science search patrol or something like that but this is the yeah. s-class species uh something unit uh you know just kind of making it more like government and authoritative at least you think is going to be the case um but i I don't want before we move into the movie itself i do want to give some credit yeah because ano did not direct this movie Uh, no he he was finally finishing uh his last evangelion film Uh, i I I mean he, he he was like the driving force for it to like come into existence for sure um and after you know shin godzilla did so well the the fact that this is going to be like a a universe <laughs> of uh of crazy uh, toho and toei kind of stuff all all mixed together is super exciting yeah but i do want to give some credit to shinji higuchi who directed this who also directed shin godzilla uh mm-hmm. with working mm-hmm. with Ano directed yeah uh and has just a tremendous amount of other credits Worked on Wings of Oniyami, worked on Evangelion, worked on. Uh, uh, We're talking the uh, Heisei Gamera stuff. Yeah, he uh, he directed yes. one of those, didn't he? Uh, uh, directed. Mm, no, uh, oh, he, he, did, he did special effects for for Gamera he, he Guardian of the Universe effects. in in ninety yeah. five, and it's a couple of its sequels. Um, he he did concept art for Common Rider Black Sun, which is something that I'm going to bring up later in this episode. Um, but yeah, this is on Titan live action films, just a ton of of like animation and live action. This guy's got a, a ton of credits, and I think he deserves, you know, a lot of of praise for what's going on here, because this movie. When when it, it, I have to compare it to what an American would do, like because we have, you know, we have movies that are remakes of stuff from the 60s. 
And what we do is we make it look new and cool. And this is like, you know, I think of the I think of the Michael Bay Transformers movies where they change literally everything about the design <laughs> of Transformers and how they are completely alien to what came before. And I look at Shin Ultraman and I see this as a love letter to the style of 60s Ultraman stuff. It I would I'd probably liken Shin Ultraman to maybe something like the Man from Uncle, where it's clearly I, I, a love it's, letter. It's so funny. I was gonna bring up Man from Uncle because that's like my go-to for like American 60s. It you know, uh, I, but like that was still set in the time period. Like this is in the modern day. And that's true. That's true. Th- there's not a ton that makes that different, but it is very interesting to see a Shen Godzilla take on the same thing happening because these are supposed to be the same universe. Like the movie starts saying Shin Godzilla and then Shin Ultraman. It does. It's weird. I was very surprised by it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was was confused by that. I'm wondering if Shin Kamen Rider is going to have all three titles. I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm okay with it. Uh, Also, I did want to mention uh, uh, Masami Nagasawa, who is the the, uh, aforementioned uh, butt-slapping Hiroko Asami. She is no stranger to Kaiju because she appeared... Mm -hmm. In God, uh, Tokyo, Godzilla, Tokyo, SOS, and Final Wars as one of the Shobujin. Oh, you know, I I kind of thought she had a different role in Tokyo SOS, but that's hilarious to know. Yeah, they, they stopped making them twins uh, in the, the 90s, I think. <laughs> They're just like uh, kind of siblings. Just, just the, got hard to Shobujin. cast. Got hard to cast twins at a certain point. <laughs> no, I mean... Yeah, and after the peanuts, what what can you really do? Yeah, you can't follow that act. Uh, but yeah, let's 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 talk a little bit about this because this also doesn't quite mirror the, I would say the instances of like we have the the, the monster instances, but I would say the characters don't mirror anyone really in 1966's Ultraman. Not really. No, no. they the um. Ano talked about that a little bit in his his pre-interview, how like some of the the difficulties they had were like casting people that felt representative, but were not like one to one. So in, in particular, casting uh, Takumi uh, Saito as, you know, Ultraman himself Who was in Shin Godzilla. <laughs> uh, yes, but he's also what was he, he? They had an interview with him where his uh, father worked on the original Ultraman. Or one of the not the original. Oh, that's cool. It wasn't. It like, wasn't the original, the but it was seventies. It I was think? one in the seventies. Ultraman Taro uh, is is the yeah. one, which was nineteen seventy three. Which is it's always awesome when there's like legacy stuff like that, whether it be in Doctor yeah. Who or you know these long running series where you have you know people that were literally born into franchises coming uh, coming back and. Uh, he he did a great job. I, I thought he was he was wonderful. The entire SSSP group was very fun. I was missing some personalities from the original mm-hmm. Ultraman. Um, but they didn't they didn't have like the the jokey like you know big like big and bad like dude who then gets <laughs> bonked in the head and runs away kind of character. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I I thought this was also an interesting take because uh, typically uh, your main character kind of keeps their consciousness, even if they've been like in the original one. When, um, uh, is it Hanzo? No, that's that's Tom Rider. Uh, when the main uh, character dies in, uh, in, a, in a plane crash with we, we, we the... Have, <laughs> so so what, what I looked at this, a Shin Hayata was the, the one from the original series, uh, as, yeah. a, as opposed to uh, Shinji Kaminaga in this. And this is closer to the Ultra 7 origin story. Yeah. Where Ultra mm-hmm. 7 was an Ultra who... Uh, though he didn't, the, that person I don't think died. I think he just saw them and decided to duplicate their, <laughs> their, yeah, there, identity. like in a lot of the Ultraman, it's like different. It's either like possession or bringing someone back to life or like a merging of conscience consciousnesses. Yeah. And this yeah, movie, and the, the the main thing it seemed to want to say was like the convergence of alien and humanity made 
something special. Uh, yeah, in, right. In Ultraman, which was which was very interesting. Um, yeah, it was it was a cool take. It was it was definitely like even though you know it might be similar to some of the plots. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak. You know, haven't watched set on a watch ultra seven but i i think it's interesting that they they went the route they did where he's he's so alien and mm-hmm. which is what uh throws uh Asami off a little bit I mean, he's and, he's so alien but he also seems to have all of kaminaga's memories because he makes connections with people from uh kaminaga is is yes part but of he, the, he doesn't understand human social cues yeah. so like he has memories but he's still putting pieces together and i think that's a really interesting take uh um sure i mean i guess we should get into the into the actual like but put up the spoiler walls if you want to if you want to have a brief uh you know summary of how you felt before we kind of uh get going yeah here comes yeah, the, I, here comes the spoiler horn uh, <laughs> i would have to um watch a whole bunch of other stuff around watching this movie to like rate it like we do on kaiju versus history but this is high up there i think as yeah. far as like enjoyment goes and you know as a as kind of like a capstone to the Ultraman series that is finally like a very much international um, film release. This would be a high nine or a low 10, probably um, as far as, you know, anything Ultraman goes. I mean, and, and, and that's what I will say to this. If you are into the idea of Ultraman, as it appears like, a guy in a suit like this this doesn't have a guy in an actual suit it has a lot of motion capture of a of a guy pretending to be in a suit but if if that's what your gear your mind is geared towards you're gonna have a blast with this movie it is so much fun you know what this kind of reminds me of is the jj abrams star trek films you know, like, yeah, uh, a cum- accumulation, but in in a much more, you know, action packed movie oriented form. Um, but can you imagine if if the if the 2009 Star Trek or whatever it was, was like six looks, episodes looks like split <laughs> up into like one or cut it and, and, and actively looks like the 1960 Star Trek, which is like reminding me of that one Deep Space Nine episode. That's really, really great. <laughs> well, no, everyone, everyone has like the new uniforms and looks like they're in the modern era. But the ship was the exact same model, <laughs> which was in this movie. Yeah, the, it was. It was, was in, this movie. in the SSP de- in the SSP office or SSSP office. Uh, there's a model of the Enterprise, the classic Enterprise, <laughs> as well as all of the Thunderbirds vehicles. And uh, yeah. probably, which is all I think shows that came after Ultraman because Ultraman was 65, 66, 66. Ultra 66? Q was 65. Yeah. So, yes. Star Trek was after I'm I don't know when Thunderbirds was. I think Thunderbirds was. I don't think Thunderbirds was seventies. I don't know. I would I would guess sixty seven. Let's see what is. Oh no, it's sixty five too. So this oh, is all okay. around the same time. But it, it's just it's love letters to stuff. Though. I mean, and and Star Trek I think was what sixty six. So it would have been yeah, around. It was sixty six. It was the same year that Ultraman was on. So just kind of a love letter to. And I'm sure there was other stuff on that desk that I did not clock. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, I think uh, Hideaki Ano made this film as not just a love letter, but an appeal about what makes Ultraman specifically special. When we talk about tokusatsu shows, you know, it gets thrown in with your, your big three, your Super Sentai, your Kamen Rider, your Ultraman. And Ultraman off, often, I think, to American audiences, kind of gets pushed back as like, oh, it's a Sentai-like, it's a Power Rangers-like, mm. and it's not that different. And I think what he did was really zero on what makes specifically Ultraman special and different from the other big two franchises. And I think he was extremely successful in that. Um, I'm, I I like, like both of you, my, my enjoyment rate was very high with this one. I think the production value was great, but I think the actual vision of this movie was pretty brilliant. I, I would have liked it to kind of 
tied together as a film narrative a little bit more than kind of feeling like I was watching oh, I mean, a it, compilation it, film. It felt like a Hideaki Anno script to me. <laughs> yes, I was, no, I was it, ready it, for that part of it. It 100% but. did. I mean, for better or for worse, this is an Anno film, but I, I do think this, well, this film is an absolute, like, um, just... After watching Ultraman, though, I got to say my favorite episodes were represented mm-hmm. in this movie. Almost oh, every yeah. single one of them. Well, and some of the better monsters, too. And we'll get to that in a second. Oh, but yeah, oh, I just, yeah. just want to say I, th- I think Anno really knocked it out of the park with uh, making a Shin Ultraman. And it makes me even more excited for what he's going to do in Shin Kamen Rider. Uh, th- is, th- that is that. That we need to talk about, because if this looking at how Ultraman was treated in this movie, it makes me so excited for Shin Kamen Rider, because well, that trailer already. Yeah, looks I was about great. to say, we, we've all seen that amazing trailer. Is that one going to be in the time period, though? I, I don't it think doesn't, have no idea. No idea. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like not. it, but uh, um. But from yeah. what I've read, this Shin Commander sounds a little bit more like a straight remake. Because uh, mm-hmm. I know they have Takeshi Hongo in in this, and I think isn't isn't that the, the main character? In... Yeah, that's that's Common Rider One. I can't remember Common yeah. Rider Two's name. Um. So, but yeah, I'm 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 very very excited. So let, let's 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 start talking about the film itself about uh about Shin Kamen Rider. Or sorry, Shin. sorry, Shin Ultraman. <laughs> keep no, doing I that. wish we I wish I could talk about Shin. So I tried to describe what Shin meant to my wife. And I was like, it just means new, but it, it means a little bit more than that in Japanese. Is it I rebirth? Think. Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of like yeah, it, it's not just mean. It doesn't mean new. I think if you put it into um like a translator, it might spit that out. But uh, <laughs> for some reason, I thought it was like rebirth or resurgence or something. To the to Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we are debating what Shin means, uh, this movie opens up, as we said, with basically a a clip show of Ultra Q as we see how the SSSP was formed to deal with these things that Which are that are popping up. I love so much. I like Patrick. I'm a big fan of Ultra Q. I really love what they did. And and so the fact that this opens up with not, not only an ultra Q like scenario, but also with the ultra Q theme song, which was used as, as, as the Ultraman song as well. But like just getting that made me immediately so happy and seeing the, and, they, and that they did the whole like weird mixed paint <laughs> intro mm-hmm. for the whole thing was just super fun. Uh, I also like that we're, we, the SSSP is showing themselves competent at handling Kaiju for the most part. For the most part, until we get to the one that they can't deal with, which, oh boy, it's good old Naranga that we met in episode three of of Ultraman, the sort of lightning turtle monster thing. And uh, and and of course, as part of that, because for some reason, (laughs) not really not a great explanation, we see a giant silver uh, giant. fly down from space and fight uh naranga uh and and defeat it with that that spacium beam and you know that with the with the awesome uh you know t-pose the t-pose <laughs> the um, super eye was very christian uh not the t-pose that you're thinking of uh but they, <laughs> making a t with the with his arms uh in that cross uh, uh which by the way that was ano's uh motion capture doing the 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 spacium beam for that initial encounter which is pretty wild um let's talk about that spacium (laughs) let's talk about that spacium beam because this is what i'm talking about when they they basically visualize 1966 perfectly as if it were translated in a in a modern context well yeah yes and maybe went a step further because the, the the laughter in the audience when Ultraman went into flying pose and then started spinning like a corkscrew. <laughs> I almost <laughs> lost it completely. I, I forgot what about is that. Happening? I I love the way he flies. I, I think was it's like hilarious. I don't, I don't remember that. 
Well, I think I think yeah. I think he's having fun with the stiff, you know, because they were basically using like little action figures and stuff for the flying. Yeah. Yeah. Some plenty they, of kaiju they, movies. They, they didn't use green screen for the flying until 1996 when we, we talked about Ultraman Tiga. Like it's so so funny. I, I actively appreciated it. Like it looks goofy, but like I love that it's like a warts and all approach. Yes. I, I was like, you know, you have to you have to have this. And I think this was the right move. And yeah, it's funny. And it's cool that it's funny. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just it's funny. <laughs> yeah. That well, it it definitely had an air to it of th- we're gonna use these amazing 3D graphics for the monsters for for Ultraman, but use them in a way as if they were <laughs> uh s- small miniatures of yeah. the the figures in, and, and, and in with, interesting ways including the like the massive spaceship at the very end the oh, space and, station and this is what i loved about it because it looked like even the monsters like yes they were cg monsters but they looked like cg representations of uh, uh <laughs> of a of a 60s kaiju suit it will they looked really really neat i loved how all the monsters look there there are some great videos on youtube that you you should definitely watch on this but they did design the 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 quadrupedal uh kaiju in this film as if they had suit actors in them uh like that was part of their design and also designed them because uh uh the the first couple are actually in the 60s show the same suit repurposed and like the head stripped away and, and a new head put on they added that into their digital design of these monsters as well which i thought was awesome which, which they which they even get with uh which what was it larugius uh i can't remember which one it what no that was one the one for, well and the they talk about the, the monsters themselves like coming from like the same family tree or whatever, which was kind of cool. Well, yeah, and Ultraman is is fighting one, and all of a sudden its head opens up. It's like that's the same head as this other one. And they they call yeah. that out in just a fun, really, really, really interesting way. Uh, meanwhile, we've got the this this fun cast in the SSSP. We've talked a little bit about these, uh, like Asami, uh, who is is the newest member of of the. Uh, of the of the team who comes from some you know public security intelligence whatever like not quite section nine you know it, it it's, seems like she's kind of fpi and yeah uh ultraman's uh shinji is like cia it's like maybe a step above as far as their kind of maybe she got transferred because she grabbed the wrong person's butt <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just such a weird quirk and like in the end, especially at the end when she actually grabs shinji it's like go go fight and i'm just like what is happening right now <laughs> but uh, but that, but that's that's uh, she, she, I, I, she watches too much american football it's like that's what you do <laughs> teammates i i loved her character and uh and i watched the subtitled version which were, did you guys watch the sub or dub we watched the dub i, I got to watch both you watch both? Well, he yeah. found a way to watch you the went, other You saw this movie twice? Well, yes, I saw it twice. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious, Miles. I, I would like to watch both when we when we get back to this film eventually, but the the voice acting in the dub was so much fun. <laughs> I, the, well, the, I love the they subtitle. They used a lot of good anime voice actors for that dub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, I love the subtitle version because I loved whenever... Uh, whenever uh, 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 Asami would call somebody a buddy, <laughs> like the, it's it's this long buddy. string of of Japanese language, buddy, buddy, and then it just it's just it it struck me so fun. I like. I, it so I, much. I, I, I wish she had leaned into like the poly shore of it, buddy, buddy. Um, here 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 is my um my thing about the subtitle version and my thing about on those films, because this is also true of Shin Godzilla stuff is happening so fast that it feels like several of the subtitles or the, the um, things that are like, you know, telling you who somebody is or, or, or where something is, is on there for a split second. 
And there's a lot of times where I feel like if you blink and you miss it. There are a few times where it shows up a little earlier uh, because they need to have this whole sentence on the screen as someone starts talking about it. This is absolutely true of Shin Godzilla. I think Shin Godzilla is still worse about it, but it's it remains to be true that like that is a problem with watching the subtitle version uh, of that film. Is it, just, it feels like you're kind of having to speed read to keep up because it's just everything keeps on happening so fast and there's things all over the, the screen. And uh, whereas with the dub, you don't have to worry about that as much. And unlike, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we live in, in a time period in the last 20 years where these dubs are really solid. Yeah, I, I've um, I have purposely held off on watching Shin Godzilla uh, for podcast <laughs> reasons. Yeah, no, I but mean, at this point, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I get it. I have heard Shin Godzilla is nearly impossible in some parts because of how fast those cuts are it's, uh, from it's, from the uh, director. I worried about that with with this, the the subtitled version of this movie. I didn't really I have too. a problem with it, though. I, I like as, <laughs> it, it, like I said, it, it, Shin Godzilla is still much worse about that than this yeah, film is. You know, you know what the most distracting part of this movie was? Uh, the lap angles we got so many shots of thighs <laughs> in this movie and shots through chairs to thighs and like up like we like we're a toddler in the room it was so weird <laughs> hey, i really yeah i know that, that that threw krista off a lot too but i was like i kind of dig it is there well, there's something it was it was the point where it, about the, the, the camera it work. was comical in in like <laughs> like this is a choice the director made and they don't do it once or twice we're like that's interesting they do it like 10 or 12 times in like over the course of the entire film they just keep coming back to that yeah um so we have we have uh shinji kamanaga who works for the triple sp he dies trying to save a child during uh the ultraman fight with naranga and is the kid does the kid live yes yes yeah okay. we presume this doesn't tell me i'm anybody. not sure we yeah, ever because, see that <laughs> yeah but, but well so uh the the possessed shinji is uh taking that child out of the forest when we see him so i i presume he right, lived if right. he didn't know well um and so from here, we have this cool story about this alien who has, you know, seen this this selfless act and wanted to, you know, kind of, I guess, honor that person. Because you know, we this is also a story about how Ultraman or the being that is Ultraman kind of falls in love with humanity. And it's a really cool story because at first, you know, and that's why, like, I think if you're not necessarily an Ultraman but fan, but you're like keen on trying to figure it out this is a, still a cool movie for you because i found myself fighting expectations having watched a couple ultraman or ultra shows and i spent more time trying to guess like what where it was going in that respect and not kind of seeing what Anna was doing with the character and so i definitely want to watch it again for for that so i can kind of watch a little more purely but i I like that we get this showcase of these different monsters show up in an episodic format and we see different things and how his personal human relationships and how his humanity evolves in each of these little mini episodes. I think that was really cool, especially as the team begins to trust Ultraman. And if I had one criticism of the movie, it's that they had like four big named Ultraman bad guys that they needed to get through and they get through the first couple really fast because they have because they're just you know kind of they're non-intelligent yeah. monsters you can do that yeah. and make those have were, that make sense nice little amused bouche but mm-hmm. uh yeah but, you, you're, but but then we have alien Zerub and alien Mephiles who are aliens that speak and manipulate people and things like that and that yeah. it, it I feel like we could have done with too much one of those and not well, both of they, them they also kind of feel like the same role as like extra mm-hmm. dimensional you know uh influencers and one is dealt with you know fairly quickly although you know very in a very interesting way and then the second one just comes along immediately after yeah if it was just like one of those two behind the scenes throughout the movie i i think it would have narratively made a ton more sense but yeah you get done with like the first 
half of the movie and then it kind of like starts over again <laughs> yeah and, and so aliens arab his his whole deal is trying to turn the world against ultraman by mm-hmm. pretending to be ultraman and destroying a bunch of stuff as ultraman <laughs> which was a very cool scene to see like evil ultraman uh, st- uh standing or, or flying above like the the exploded uh uh, factory or whatever it was and to Some watch cool him, looking visuals to watch him fight is cool oh also uh the ultraman suit did not have the timer light up flashy button which uh they just changed it to ultraman changing color when he gets uh low power oh, which yeah i think i, 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 I think like worked. that but they didn't emphasize it at all which i was like is this just lit poorly in some scenes you know in, in one character i think it, it happens once where a character's like oh <laughs> Ultraman He's must change color red? when he loses power. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was uh, an interesting change. But yeah, uh, I, I I mean, and that this is I, I think what happens when you make a film as opposed to like a miniseries or a, a show is like there are some things you're limited on doing. And in the story that he wants to tell, I feel like that 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 aspect is probably just going to kind of fall away, even though like, they could have used it. But you can, I, you, can, you can sell more toys if you have three different color variations of Ultraman. Right. <laughs> um, I, I did really, really enjoy how Ultraman looked. I think they did an incredible job with the effects. I mean, the, the, the visual palette of this movie is so cool because like Ultraman looks like what I feel like people like in their their mind's eye remember the 1966 Ultraman as, as what they would want it to look like, you know, yes. mm-hmm. like this is such a cool representation of the character. And it's very different from Shin Godzilla because Shin Godzilla still feels like a modern Godzilla movie just done by uh, Ano. This this really feels like I'm I'm watching something that this this is what they were they they, they were thinking of in their imagination in 1966. And I think that's what's so cool about it is, is like, I'm, I'm watching this come and come, come alive. And I, I think the, the visual style of this movie is one of its biggest strengths. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this uh, last week when we were talking about the American Godzilla movie or Godzilla movie, American uh, Ultraman movie that switched from a rubber suit to a spandex suit and how, it just didn't quite look the same mm-hmm. and that this Ultraman really like it's got that sort of sheen that 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 not shiny, but just that 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 kind of sheen mm-hmm. to it that you you it 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 looks really, really cool. I like it so much. Did you guys have favorite episodes or favorite parts well we only watched the the first four so we didn't really dive (laughs) super deep into this is this has been our problem and why we want to start more podcasts i'm I'm talking about in even making a joke about the the, the episodes in the movie movie. (laughs) because mine mine was the same as one of my favorite episodes of the show which was uh, one of the female SSP becoming a giant kaiju. <laughs> oh yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, her, you know, wishing aloud to get like every image taken off the internet, and then uh, uh, it happens because of one of the aliens. You may wonder why she was like that. Was one of the funniest but also most awkward scenes because she is a giant woman wearing a skirt as she walks in Japan. In Japan, <laughs> yeah. as she walks across, there's just you, that you look at a a a, uh, oh a youtube page of a bunch of of normal videos and then a bunch of videos that are like sign in because it's you know the, uh, <laughs> adult content the part where she shrinks back down and all the blue tarps they had <laughs> draped over her like <laughs> flutter <laughs> and uh cover her up is, is so much fun they they that that part of the movie in general was just was just a, a great deal of fun uh, I I really liked Alien Mephiles, who is the sort of last big bad that we meet, um, uh, who had this tendency of saying uh, my favorite phrase. My favorite phrase is saying, you know, like some they, they, they overuse that a little bit. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It's like it's my least favorite phrase. But but what I love, I, I was a big fan of all of those. 
things. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was hilarious. But uh, but I loved it because it was an interesting take on what would probably happen. So Mephilus is is sort of the big bad. And and so we 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 talked in our previous Ultraman episodes. Ultraman transforms with something called a beta capsule. They presses the button and it takes his big form and blah, 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 which, by the way, that effect was really cool when they used it. But um, in this, Mephilus is basically trying to undermine Ultraman by selling the beta technology to humanity. <laughs> because he knows that that will get the planet destroyed because they're going to like a you know, become too, way too strong. Right. So Zoffy's going to step in. I was like, this is really convoluted, even for, uh, uh, you know, an Idiokiano script. But yeah. uh, which we didn't we didn't get to Zoffy in in our Zoffy was just trying to take over. Right. Well, <laughs> he so, just yeah. wanted or not Zoffy, but um, the other alien. Uh, oh, uh, Zerub. Uh, Zerub. Zerub. Yeah. I really liked his design. I thought he looked. I, really I, cool. I, I did too. I, I, I have to say, one of my favorite scenes is that first use of his uh, his beam, where you see like uh, the explosions come up from the ground because uh, it's like you know kind of came up and cuts. I think it's Naranga when he first uses it, but just that that first scene mm-hmm. is or that first usage of the of the beam is so cool to me. I I think it's just. It's what I wanted the 60s stuff to look like. I, I wish that like these movies looked like this because yeah. it's the same style, same lightings. I mean, like the visual palette there is like, but you get to, I mean, I, I keep harping on this, but you basically get to see that, that old imagination come to life. And I, I just absolutely love it. It's, um, it's what I really wanted from a Godzilla King of the Monsters is that cleanliness to the battles um and what they i think achieved in uh king kong versus godzilla um some very clean fights between those two monsters and then you know at the end a, a three-way battle that, yeah the big the big well. complaint about uh, king of the monsters i don't have it personally i i think that movie's kind of perfect smoke, um, rain darkness and again that is yeah. a very important thing to say about what this what the style of this movie is if you're still listening to it and you haven't gone to see it is that this movie feels like the 60s when you watch this it feels like a super fancy version of of people on a tiny set of a city <laughs> unlike you know godzilla king of the monsters where they're just flying around and they're destroying fighter jets and they're using lightning attacks to destroy blood, you know, and all that stuff looks cool by a, you know, 21st century, 2019, 2018, when that movie came out, I don't remember, um, kind of, kind of effect, but it's, 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 it's a lot and it's kind of overwhelming in a way that you kind of want it to be. But I also, I kind of want, this that just looks like a fancy version of the 60s style yeah i I think it's because like we said all the folks that made this film grew up watching those subaraya um tokusatsu special effects and getting those reproduced in digital format was probably much more difficult than just making a you know a similar kind of production today, which would be a Michael Bay Transformers. We mentioned exactly that a yeah. earlier, right? Where it's just, you know, confusing. There's slow motion. There's all kinds of particle effects and and things to to cover up. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a lot more impressed by some of the the zany uh, action sequences we got here when well, in, in, in when the Ultraman's me- fighting the, the space stations off you at the end. There's some crazy stuff that goes on. And the, and the musical cues and the sound effects all feel very nested in that 60s aesthetic. And I just I love it for for that because it's it's bold to make something like that. Uh, that mm-hmm. is so deliberately reminiscent of that stuff. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I the entire time, and that was one of the big comments that uh, Chris had too. Is like like the music is great. I'm like it's it feels. I don't know if it's like remastered old music or if they like actively just like recompose stuff that sounded like 
the old soundtracks, but the, the, the music in this really sets that tone. Like everything, everything about the setting and the, the specific visual palette they use, all of it has a harmonious relationship with this picture. And I, I just, I think it's a stroke of genius that they pulled off this film the way they did. And, and, and we, t- we talked about Anno doing some motion capture. Supposedly, the other motion capture person for Ultraman is Ben Furuya, who was the original mm-hmm. Ultraman actor, <laughs> the suit actor. Yeah, but that yes. dude's, it's so cool. But that he, he dude's in young... his late 70s, so I'm not yeah, sure well, how much he did. <laughs> he no, just he, showed he up for work, and that's all he needed to do. <laughs> he was a pretty young man when the he was doing special effects for the show, and he's still going to like conventions and things like that so i wouldn't count him out good sir <laughs> yeah well i mean it, in in that aspect this film really kind of warms your heart just because of the the absolute like you could even not be a big ultraman fan and just feel the complete love for the franchise with this film i think like yes i, I might have gone a more traditional approach of having a singular story but I think paying tribute to its episodic nature of being a TV show first is really cool. And I think the way they pulled this all off and make you feel like you watched a season of Ultraman by the end of the film is really, really impressive. I I have to say one other thing about that. And, and this is because I don't know whether this guy just gets work because he is super talented or because he's got a good agent or because he loves this stuff. But I have to talk about Hidetoshi Nishijima, who plays the uh, uh, Tamura, the kind of captain of the SSSP. Yes, Mm -hmm. he's probably the character closest to the original, you know, um, character from the from the TV show. You know, very stalwart captain. Yeah, uh, but this is a dude who. While he was while he was filming, you know, you know, right after uh, filming Drive My Car, the Oscar winning motion picture, <laughs> uh, Palm d'Or nominee, uh, you know, multiple Oscar winner. Um, he, he then goes to Shin Ultraman and then goes to Kamen Rider Black Sun to play uh, Kotaro, uh, the the titular black sun yeah. <laughs> what the heck <laughs> like I, I thought the main character of drive my car was a lot younger he's the he's the guy driving the car he's the guy the, driving the, the guy car. being driven <laughs> I, I don't i haven't watched the movie uh yeah i haven't watched no, it because it's, it's, it's like it's three, three hours, and long, hours and, long and extremely depressing which is why i haven't watched it but, yeah uh, i haven't watched it because it's, it's that long i i've actually seen him well being the horror person that I am, I saw him in a, in a 2016 film called Creepy, where he plays the lead role. It's a really good kind of a mm-hmm. psychological thriller. Um, and I also, this is not his first uh, live action tape on a, on a classic superhero. He's also in the 2004 uh, Kashern or Kashern. Oh boy, you know I think he adaptation. doesn't play Kashern. He plays another guy. No, he he plays a lieutenant. But like I think we watched that in college. <laughs> Kashern. Yeah. I I I certainly bought it from Best Buy in college. That movie's awesome. I have yeah, not I have cool. not seen the live action Kashern. I have seen the uh, '90s anime remake because uh, it's an old '70s anime. Drew, if I didn't watch that with you, I don't know who I would have watched. That I haven't with seen it, college. so I, I can't I, believe I, that he did. I, I don't think you watched it. it with me either. But like, I know I know <laughs> I, I had it on DVD. Uh, then, the only so. Kashern thing I've ever seen is Kashern Robot Hunter, who was which was that, aired on Sci-Fi Channel Saturday Anime. It was know, a '90s remake of the '70s. Sure. Maybe I'm just thinking because it came out when we were in college. I probably saw this on DVD a while later. A while later. But it's yeah, it this this cast is just wonderful. The, the entire cast is great. I, I honestly, I'm and this is always my complaint. I wanted to spend more time with them, but this this film did a really good job throughout the film, kind of giving you enough of these characters that are three-dimensional and that you care about them. And it's, I mean, it just works on so many levels. And I'm, I'm not the only person that 
that feels this way. Uh, Variety was pretty glowing in their review about this movie and said that it ranks in the top rank of superhero films, which is pretty, pretty wild. I I, I haven't looked at uh, Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes for this. either. Oh, I'm, gonna... I'm, I'm looking at them right now, and it's actually surprising how positive the reviews are to be honest this this movie has gotten some <laughs> love it's got a 96 on run tomatoes 86 on metacritic which is uh which is pretty wild <laughs> and, and but both of those high. both of the scores right now are like a full 10 percent uh higher than shin godzilla from from only six years ago and i so, i think this 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 bit i think perfectly captures what we've been talking about uh, from Variety, where they say it's tongue-in-cheek but never camp. Shin Ultraman is an object lesson in how to reboot a superhero franchise for modern times. And I, I completely agree with that. I, I can't agree because there's some there's some great camp that is there to make you laugh, especially I, I, if you've watched part the, the tongue-in-cheek show. And, and it's, oh, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's not thumbing its nose at uh, the original. Exactly. It is definitely, definitely all written and performed from from places of love. It, it is and absolutely that, a love letter to Ultraman. Yeah, and 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 through that, I, I that's why I wouldn't quite call it camp because it's it's more of a tongue in cheek. Like this is this is for the love of what what birthed all this. And I mean, it, it is objectively campy, but yeah. I I think I, I well, understand what the writer's saying. It's it's an interesting take because that oftentimes Ultraman is compared to the Japanese Superman mm-hmm. and Superman and Batman and all the other superheroes that have been around for like 90 years <laughs> have uh, all kinds of different periods of this is the serious version. This is the 60s, crazy, zany, campy Batman 66 version, blah, blah, blah. Um, Ultraman has had the same thing, but it seems impossible to kind of capture like a serious tone, a comedic tone all in the same movie, but it works in this one oddly. And maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's because the audience that is there is already kind of prepared for that I, I definitely wasn't prepared for the amount of humor yeah <laughs> in this movie but it's it's still worked and it was a it was a pleasant surprise but i mean again part of me expected a michael bay transformers mo- kind of thing and definitely didn't get that and definitely much happier with what we did get um i'm gonna say this because this is one of the most fun moments of of this movie. And it kind of also encapsulates this. So if you go back to the sixties, Ultraman, whenever you see, see him use the beta capsule, you see this gigantic cartoony, like zoom, zoom, zoom of Ultraman just getting bigger. And, and there's a moment when, when, uh, when Shinji is, is captured and he doesn't have his beta capsule because he's let Asami (laughs) know where it is and bring it Mm -hmm. to him. And she passes it to him. And he transforms and you see the giant red hand come out of the ground and grab him. And then it transitions into this awesome, you know, very iconic, very much looking like uh, like that recreated in CG. Uh, It was it was really cool. I'm so surprised they didn't do, I think, what probably one of the most famous transformations in the show's history, which is shinji the the beta capsule falling off the top of a building and him jumping after it and transforming <laughs> midair um but yeah we, we get some some pretty cool transformations and the the classic um sound effects and things like that it's it's definitely a lot of fun it is certainly one of those movies that i will be re-watching pretty sooner rather than later oh for sure and once again we said this at the start of the episode and i'm gonna say it right now this movie as much as i have liked ultraman i like common rider more sorry ultraman fans uh but this movie is making me so much more excited for shin common rider because if they can capture that 70s essence that was mm-hmm. so cool in common rider and bring it to a new thing and it and based on what we've seen and the posters it looks like they can do it and it's just oh, i'm so much more excited and i don't want to wait two years to see that movie please 
put it in theaters this year. Time wise, in about 10 years, we're going to be getting uh, Shin Evangelion. Just <laughs> well, no, 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 no. We, we, we technically already got that. Um, well, I'm just talking about live action. We also got a Shin Kamen Rider in the mid 90s, but uh, this one's different. <laughs> so uh, one thing we haven't touched on exactly um this is a thing about uh shin godzilla and it's it's true with the monsters here uh higuchi and otto love them googly eyes (laughs) yeah some very fun very fun uh googly eye and 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 callbacks to to the older costumes as well in in some of the uh the the monsters well, and, but, uh, and call back talking to, about something specific, Miles. Well, and call back oh, to no, the no, original wait, wait. Uh, Ultraman costume as well. When Ultraman was first, the costume was first made. It didn't have the uh, the timer on the chest that was added prior to the launch of the show. Um, so they went back to like the pre costume, which is kind of mm. anyway, Miles. Oh, no, no. I was just I'm commenting on like Shin Godzilla has these kind of googly eyes. And mm-hmm. like, I think it's like Naranga also had these kind of like googly eyes. And yeah. it's just something that kind of keeps popping up in 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 their monsters. Um, <laughs> a lot of Evangelion uh, um, creatures have have uh, a lot of crazy eyes. Yeah. Uh, so I <laughs> the accurate Zoffy. <laughs> yeah. I I gotta say though I I think that this 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 exceeded every expectation I had for it. I think it is one of the best of its kind. I think it is if you if you wanted to say this is what Ultraman's all about and gave someone this this film, I don't think that you would be far off. And I don't think it would be a bad experience for the person who's like at least aware of what Ultraman is and is like I want to see if this might be the, for them. This is a great. This is a great film and they can go back and watch other Ultraman stuff and it's not going to mess it up for them because it's not some sort of like direct adaptation. It's doing its own thing. And I mean, yeah, everything about this movie, I think, really does. Like I have some minor quibbles, but I I think this movie is just fantastic. And and I do want to highlight something I said at the beginning of the episode. I feel like this is a movie that you have to be in the right or have the right expectations for if you were going into this thinking it's going to be a Michael Bay Transformers remake with big explosions and hyper realistic special effects and all of that you ain't going to get that here this is very much directly tied to the feel of what it was like in 1966 to watch the show and and, and that that, that- that, that, that ties in with what like Anno's mission statement was for right. the film. He he said, our goal is to create a world of Ultraman that is not for children, but for the generation that watched Ultraman back then and that they want to watch now that they're adults. We aim to create entertainment for adults that is consistent with the modern age, a coexistence of dreams and reality that can be depicted only with special effects images. To achieve this goal, we will draw an interesting work that emphasizes quality and sensitivity listening with the theme of invasion rather than catastrophe. And I think, I think they succeeded there. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Not a lot that Hideaki Anno can do wrong in my eyes, though. <laughs> I've uh, in recent years become a huge Evangelion fan. I was going to say that original Evangelion ending was a uh... boy howdy. <laughs> yeah. You, you just haven't watched the, youtube explanation video that's three times as long as <laughs> as the series is that that dives into why it's genius drew <laughs> uh, but yeah this does make me want to go back and 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 watch some of his other directorial films from the between evangelion faces i like to, to call he, them there you get uh he did an uh, adaptation of cutie honey yeah that's that's one that i want to see for sure Well, with that said, that is going to bring our conversation about Shin Ultraman to a close. Man, that was a fun movie. I love that way more than I expected to. That was so much fun. But Ultramanuary is not over, gang. Oh, my goodness. 
What we, else could you do? This is just so much. Drew. What else can we do is we are going to do a cavalcade of new stars next week. Instead of watching four episodes of a series, we're going to watch the first episode of four series. And we're going to do it on the four existing Rewa Ultraman series. The, the, the new generation, the new, uh, the, the new, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, di- not dynasty. What is it? The the era. Era. That's it. That works. The Rewa era series, starting with Ultra. The first episodes of Ultraman Taiga, Ultraman Z, Ultraman Trigger, and the series that is currently airing and will have its final episode between when you hear this and when you hear our next episode, Ultraman Decker. Uh, and that is what we are doing next week. All of these shows are available at least when I looked earlier in their entirety on the official Ultraman YouTube page. So that is really cool. You can just watch these whenever you want, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, and so that's going to be uh, next week uh, on the more you nerd. Now, of course, it is time to end our show. Uh, if you would like to f- reach out to us, you can find us at themoreunerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreunerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreunerd. Of course, you can also email us themoreunerd at gmail.com. That's themoreunerd at gmail.com. And now, and Patrick, for, for the folks who may not know anymore, where mm. can they find you? Uh, oh, we have several podcasts, but <laughs> the one probably <laughs> closest related to this one is Kaiju versus History. I've I've scammed Miles into podcasting with me for even more uh, more of its time, where we are watching every single Kaiju film in chronological order. And if this is coming out the end of january i'm so sorry to say the next <laughs> movie that we are looking at is daigoro versus goliath oh god which if you ever wondered do kaiju poop this movie has the answer for you <laughs> <laughs> yes and they can be potty trained <laughs> yes and then all three of us are off obviously on uh, cosmic crit every week but now we're going to end this show, Drew, as we always do, with a rousing nerd. 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 Out. 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 You're out of practice. <laughs> you got to time <laughs> it now. <laughs>